what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep! Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. Your hosts, Mark Giannone, Dan Silver, way down in the nation's capital. Dan, what's going on? So, not much, man. I'm just trying to keep track of all the moves the Flyers are making. We had like a couple day low and then it picked up again. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was... I was getting into it. I know. I was. It was hard for me to keep up all weekend because I was on a bit of a weekend vacation up in Canada, and I, I you know, bender when I, or vacation. Uh, vacation. Okay. Yeah. Not a bender. Thought maybe. Well, both. Yeah. Bender is vacation, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, exactly. Right. You could. It's interchangeable. Those words. I'm guessing. <laughs> right. So, I mean, obviously the. I don't even know what the big news is anymore because there's so many moves that have happened since we did the draft show last week. I mean, the draft started Friday and then finished Saturday, obviously. And we talked about, I mean, before last week, we our, our sentiment kind of with the draft was, you know, trade the 11th pick. And then you had kind of changed your mind on it going into, you know, as we did the draft show. And we were exploring last week some of the guys that they could get at 11. And you had mentioned trading up for Bobby Brink. We'll get into what happened with that in a little bit. But ultimately, they end up trading back from 11 to 14. And there was a pretty big name on the board that everyone thought they were going to go for in Cole Caulfield. They uh, they obviously did not get him. And they took Cam York 14th overall after trading with Arizona, picking up a second-round pick that they lost in the deal for uh, Braun. And here we are, Cam York, another stud defensive prospect the Flyers have in the system now. Because, I mean, they needed it because most of the other studs that they had kind of got called up to the big show. And here we are. I mean, I don't know much about Cam York, but from what I've seen, he's one hell of a skater. He's got a great hockey IQ. And, he, I mean, you already slotted him into the top five prospects the Flyers have in the system. Yeah, no doubt. And so my Friday night, you know, I love the draft. I always get really excited for it. So I'm, I started drinking bourbon and I'm watching the draft. And, uh, I'm, you know, the mindset was we're kind of hoping that one of these forwards, like a, a Caulfield or a, or a Boldy or a Cousins might drop to the Flyers pick at 11. In the back of my mind, I did kind of have this sense from reading the tea leaves and reading the Flyers quotes that they, maybe were leaning towards taking the defenseman. And so my biggest fear was that they were going to take Victor Soderstrom or trade down and take Victor Soderstrom because I'm not a big fan of his. So anyway, I'm watching the draft, and the big shock comes with number six when the Detroit Red Wings take Moritz Seider, the big German defenseman who, you know, we talked about on the show last week. We liked him a lot, thought he was the best of the second-tier defensemen. Right. And Steve Eisenman, I guess he was trying to uh, trade down uh, because he could have gotten him later and he just couldn't. So he just took the guy that he wanted. And so that was it was a, one of my favorite moments of the draft was watching Moritz Sider's expression when he was drafted, because you could tell that he was shocked that he was taken. So that so when that happens, you kind of know that one of the big forward prospects was going to fall. And then Philip Broberg goes number eight to. Uh, Edmonton, which is something that we talked about on the show last week. I, that had been the, the buzz that he was going to get taken there. So now the Flyers at pick number 11 have their choice of Boldy, Caulfield, 
Peyton Krebs, Alex Newhook. And so we're salivating like, okay, who's going to, who's Chuck going to take? Yeah. And then when he traded down to 14, it, it kind of, you know, he got an extra pick. Uh, he got a second round pick and it, it kind of said to me that, okay, you know what? The Flyers are probably going to take a defenseman because they're probably trading down. And at that point I'm like, just please don't make it be Victor Soderstrom. And then the, the Coyotes who traded up to the Flyers pick take Soderstrom. So now this is a great moment. He's off the board. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to take one of these forwards. Um, you know, we'll see who they take. Then it, it comes to the Flyers pick and they announce, Scott Fletcher from the U.S. Development Program, and so I'm sure all Flyers fans are thinking it's going to be Cole, Cole Caulfield. Caulfield and and he, Cam York, and it's like, oh my god! The initial reaction <laughs> is we thought we were going to get this great goal scorer in Caulfield, um, and so I think most Flyers fans were kind of disappointed slash stunned slash surprised. And then you know when then I started digging a little deeper because I got to be quite honest, I hadn't looked a ton into Cam York which mm-hmm. is my fault, uh, heading into the draft. And when you start digging a little bit, it's really impressive. And probably a bigger play driver for the U.S. national team than Cole Caulfield was this season. He was the he was the best defenseman on that team. He put up big numbers, something like, uh, let's see, all playing on that team, York put up 65 points in 63 games. And so, the, you know, the U.S. National Development Team, it's the best team that they've ever had with Jack Hughes and uh, Zegras and Turcotte and Boldy and Caulfield. And Cam York was the best defenseman on the team. He's a 5'11", left-handed defenseman, 180 pounds. He's basically built for the modern-day NHL. He's a terrific skater. He's got great puck retrieval skills in the defensive zone. One of the things that I am really impressed with with watching him is how he gets rid of the puck quickly. Even in the NHL, you'll see like Shane Gostisbehere or one of the other defensemen try and force uh, force the puck. They'll skate the puck up, and especially on the power play, try and skate it into the zone themselves. Uh, and Cam York makes early passes in transition, and they're they're the right play. And his hockey IQ is outstanding. He's a he's a terrific passer. You know, the one area where he could probably work to improve on is his shot. But he, he really does have all the tools to be a top four defenseman in the NHL. So, you know, when I look back on it, I was very excited about the York addition. And so Friday night is over. And then we go into Saturday where the Flyers, you know, had picked up a pick in round two. So I'm watching and they, we get to pick 34. And we talked about on the show a kid who I kind of fallen in love with a little bit, Bobby Brink who put up absolutely incredible numbers in the USHL, which is a U.S. amateur league. 18 years old, he scored 68 points in 43 games, 1.6 points a game, which is very favorable with comparable guys who who played in that league. I think that Johnny Gaudreau was in that league, and Brink outscored all of them basically his first year when you look at it. So... The Flyers have pick number 45, and pick number 34 rolls around, and they say, oh, we have a trade to announce. And I'm thinking, like, in the back of my mind, could this be, could the Flyers actually be trading up to get Bobby Brink? He slipped into the second round, even though a lot of people had him ranked in their top 20, probably because he's 5'8 and 160, and he's got some questions about his skating. But the the kid is just have an immense amount of skill. 
So he slips into the second round. They announced a trade. Nashville's traded the pick to the Philadelphia Flyers. Now I'm getting excited. I'm like, oh, they, did, maybe they value Brink, and they traded up to take him. Sure enough, the Flyers took Brink with that 34th pick, which they traded up for. And now all of a sudden, the first two rounds were a tremendous success for this team. Because quite honestly, if they had taken Caulfield in the first round, I don't think that they would have been able to get a defenseman who's got Cam York's skill set in the second round. So what they did was they got a really good defenseman, arguably the the second best puck-moving defenseman in the draft, and they added a goal scorer who, quite honestly, could be as good as Cole Caulfield in the NHL. And so it was the first two rounds were just a res- resounding success for this team, and I'm, I'm just really excited about, about Brick. So... You know what I find ironic? This is kind of a bit off topic, but I mean, all the years that, and I'm talking like in, in terms of like the national stage of, uh, or the international stage of hockey, all the years that Team Canada pretty much dominated the Olympics and everything like that, just when like Team USA gets this plethora of talented guys and the Flyers are obviously tapping into that last year, this year, the, uh, Olympic Committee just does away with professional players going into the Olympics. So, like, when we can get kind of like a a real rivalry with Team Canada and Team USA, it, it it's just thrown away because all those guys aren't going to be eligible for the Olympics. But that's like I said, a bit off topic. Um, but yeah, when I looked at when I looked at Cam York, I liked what I saw. I mean, I watched some videos on him, and you know, it, it's one. It's hard to kind of watch highlights and stuff about these guys because they're, they're not usually it's not going to be things that they did wrong it's going to be all you know good plays where they're scoring or setting up goals and things like that but I mean just from if you're ignoring what the result of the play is and just watching him on the ice you can see why the Flyers took him he's very much the modern day NHL defenseman that can do a little bit of everything the Flyers obviously like that at, at the old regime loved it when Hexall was here Obviously, Chuck Fletcher likes that same thing, too. Um, I mean, my thing is this, and I've been talking about it for a while. I've been wanting that kind of just elite-level goal scorer, and Caulfield was there. So I was, I mean, I was pretty disappointed when I saw, when I, you know, woke up from my drunken state and saw that, that he was there, the Flyers passed on him. And then, you know, when you get the first-round talent, though, in the second, when Bobby Brink falls from the first round, they get him in the second round, and he has those same intangibles that Caulfield has. I mean, you're essentially – I mean, the, the first two rounds for the Flyers could not have gone better because they didn't have that second-round pick. And if Fletcher wasn't, you know, savvy enough to make that move to trade back the three spots, pick up the second-round pick, you know, we're talking about a completely different draft because who knows what happens later on. If they took Caulfield – and they don't have that second-round pick, this this draft doesn't look nearly as impressive as it, as it does right now. Just on those two picks alone, you know, the whole Chuck Fletcher era of running this team and drafting players starts off on a really great foot because now you have two more pillars on a team that has a really good set of young, talented players that are about to take over, and the tide's starting to turn a little bit with the core of this team, and now you just have two more guys that, you know, two, three years that can come up and start contributing just as guys like Sanheim, who we'll get into, and, you know, uh, TK and those guys, just as they're coming in and starting to find their game, these guys, guys like Farabee, who who will be here sooner rather than later, guys like now uh, Bobby Brink, 
Cam York. These guys are all just going to be slotted in as things roll around these next couple of years, and the team's just going to get better and better. And, I mean, was I, I like I said, I was disappointed they didn't get Caulfield, but it made up for it when you see what Cam York is and when you see that they got the first-round player in Bobby Brink who could be the goal scorer that they've needed all these years. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the, the moves that Fletcher's made over the last week a little bit later. But I do want to say that, you know, a lot of people were scared when Fletcher took over and we knew there were going to be a lot of moves made. People were scared that he was going to, you know, disrupt the the core of prospects that Ron Hextall had done such a good job drafting. And right. Fletcher didn't do any of that. He didn't trade any prospects. And he also didn't really trade any draft picks except for the Braun deal. But then he got that pick back. So, a lot of people's fears about Fletcher have, have really been unfounded, and I think he's done a, a very good job from that perspective. So real quick before I just go into the remaining five players that they took and, and detail them quickly, you know, the difference with Caulfield and Brink, Caulfield is definitely a better natural goal scorer than Brink. Brink's a better playmaker, though. And so, you know, one of the things that people have been saying about Brink, and one of the reasons, despite, in addition to his size, why he lasted was because Scouts have been picking apart his skating motion. You can go online and search for Bobby Brink videos and you'll see it. You'll see scouts talking about how, you know, he doesn't have the most efficient skating motion and he doesn't get the most power out of his stride. You know what? A lot of that to me is bullshit. Like he, a lot of people have different, just like in baseball, right? A lot of players have very different swings. Gary Sheffield had this weird swing where he wrapped the bat around his head and people said, oh, that's never going to work. Right. Aaron Judge like completely changed his swing. You know, that's not going to work. Chase Utley had a weird uh, swing. Chase Utley had a weird swing. And it's not the same exact thing, but you watch video of Brink and he never loses puck races. He's always uh, getting to the net very well and very strong. So, look, he's probably going to have to improve his skating a little bit, which he will, but I, I'm not making a, as much out of that as other people. Well, that's, all so, the stuff, that's all stuff that could be worked on, too. I mean, things like skating motion and when you talk about a player that doesn't have much of a shot, that's all stuff that can be worked on. It's not things like, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, well, he doesn't skate all that well, as opposed to saying, well, he doesn't really have that great of a hockey IQ, because you could teach somebody how to change up their form while they're skating to make them more efficient at it. Some people just can't be taught, you know, how to, you know, what plays to make when a puck is at a certain position on the ice. So all things considered, you'd rather have it where he can't skate all that well to a guy that just can't figure it out in his head what's happening on the ice. Right. And to be clear, he's a pretty good skater. It's not right. that he can't skate well. Like Matthew Strom is a terrible skater. Yeah, he can't. But Bob, yeah. Bobby Brink is a, is a pretty good skater. And scouts just have issues with his stride or whatever. But, well, they need something um, to knock. Yeah, exactly. So... So, okay, so probably the, the next most exciting pick that they made was in the third round. The Flyers took a big defenseman named Ronnie Adder. He's an overager. So kind of like the same thing when the Flyers took Wyatt Kalanuck a couple years ago as a 20-year-old. This year they took Ronnie Adder as a 20-year-old. And he had the, arguably the best offensive season for a defenseman in the history of the USHL, which is the same league that Brink was in. He scored 30 goals which is, I believe, a record for a defenseman in the UHL. I read that somewhere. I didn't confirm. But he had 64 points in 48 games. He's got an absolute bomb of a slap shot. You go, I posted today on Twitter some video of him just scoring goals where he's like off balance at the blue line and just firing laser beam slap shots. This guy has got a lot of upside. But the question mark comes in, you're a 20-year-old and you're playing against 18-year-olds. Right. So 
you know, just like Little League, you got the older kids are, are always going to do better than than the younger kids generally. And so that's the question mark with Adderd is just that he's an overager. But the Flyers thought that it was uh, worth the risk. So then in the fourth round, they took a 18-year-old defenseman named Mason Millman, who plays in the OHL for Saginaw, put up 25 points in 66 games, 6-1-180. The comparison I'd heard was that there are, I'd heard that there were the Flyers scout who scouts that area just fell in love with him over the second half of the season and thinks that there's a lot of untapped potential, kind of like there was with Travis Sanheim, that this kid was not getting big minutes on Saginaw until later in the season and that they think he, he could just really explode once he's gotten more ice time next year. So that's Mason Millman, a defenseman. Then they took uh, a goalie in the fifth round, I believe, with a great name, um, a six round rather, Roddy Ross. So, <laughs> they could, uh, yeah, goalie 6'3, 180. So, he's a big kid. He plays in the WHL with Seattle. He's always had good numbers. Uh, the uh, Their other two picks in the draft were two wingers, Egor Serdia, who's in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He's supposed to be a pretty naturally gifted goal scorer. He put up 25 goals and 40 assists in 63 games for Victoriaville in the Quebec League. You know, six-round pick, so obviously there's some issues with him, but who knows what could happen. And then the last pick was a uh, a winger named Bryce Brodzinski, who was playing in the USHL, same league as Rank, uh, Rank and Adder, and he put up 17 points in 19 games. So obviously when you get to the later rounds, there's some question marks. But, you know, all in all, I think the Flyers probably had as good a first two rounds as any team in the draft, and they're, they're Third and fourth round picks look promising as well. So I'd say it's a pretty good start to the uh, the Chuck Fletcher drafting regime. But we'll we'll know more in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean you're not gonna you're not gonna hit on every pick, but the ones that obviously get put over under the microscope are those first two. And on paper right now, and just you know a few days after it happened, everything looks like it's pretty. You know, it's, it, they look like good picks. And the thing that where the Flyers benefit right now is. There have been so many good picks made before Chuck Fletcher had this draft that they're in a position to really start to push this team ahead. It's not as imperative to hit on all these picks. And if, you know, not that you want your team to miss out on a first or second round pick, but they're set up where they have enough talent right now to where they're not as dependent on these draft picks hitting as they were, you know, two, three years ago. Yeah, I mean, with Frost, Farabee, and Radcliffe among the forward prospect group and the goaltending prospects with obviously Hart is in the league already. Right. He'd be the goalie here for the next 10 years, but you've got Samuel Erson who was probably had the best season of any goalie drafted last year. Kirill Ustamenko in Russia, who had a sensational season uh, second year in a row and Felix Sandstrom, who's going to be joining the Phantoms this season in goal. And from the forward perspective, the Flyers are absolutely set. So that was another reason why taking Cam York was important because they graduated Sandheim, Provorov, and Myers. Myers is technically still a prospect. He's only played 21 NHL games. But they graduated Sandheim and uh, Provorov and Myers to the NHL. And so the next best defensive prospect, in my mind, is probably Igor Zamula, who's mm-hmm. a couple years away, and who knows how he's, his progression is going to go. And so they've, they've got some, you know, maybe bottom-pairing defensemen in the system, like a, uh, you know, like a Adam Yinning or a Jack St. Ivany or a Linus Hogbear. And so it's important that they, they drafted a guy who's got the potential to maybe be a top pairing or, or top four defenseman in the NHL. So that's where the, the York pick was, was really strong. And, you know, right now, 
I would uh, later this summer, I'll be working on my top 20 prospects for the Flyers. But I would say that York and Brink absolutely slide into the top five, certainly the top six. I mean, the Flyers clear cut top six prospects right now. I guess you have to include Myers, too. So if you're including Myers, you know, you'd say um, Myers, Frost, Farabee, York, Brink, Ratcliffe. Are probably, um, you know, the main six prospects you'd say right now that the Flyers have that are potentially top pairing or top line players. So they've, uh, you know, the, the Flyers are, are still sitting pretty from a prospect perspective. Yeah, they are. And that's why, I mean, when you start getting into some of the other moves that have happened since we last talked, and obviously probably the most debatable one where, I mean, again, you don't have anything happen on Flyers Twitter where you have not going to find many people that are kind of on the fence about a move. They're either totally hate it or they totally love it. And again, it's kind of the same thing that happened with the uh, Kevin Hayes signing, which have, what was that? I don't even, I'm so, everything's happened so quick. What was that, Tuesday? Yeah, I think Tuesday was the day after we did the show. Yeah, of course. That's how that works. Um, But seven years, 50 million for, you know, the second best center free agent on the market. You know, this is obviously they targeted them. They wanted them. So you had to, you kind of had to expect that they were going to have to go a little overboard in signing them because they had interest in them. They traded the fifth round pick, which is, I mean, it's really not a fifth round pick is a fifth round pick just to talk to a guy before free agency starts. My thing is this with, when it comes to guys like Hayes that maybe get overpaid but it's just the na- to me it's the nature of free agency and it's not just hockey it's all sports you see in all sports these guys that become free agents probably get a little more than they deserve based on what they've done because it's that's just what's available and teams have needs summer after summer and winter after winter in other sports and Kevin Hayes obviously fits a need the Flyers have and i mean th- this is my thought process on the signing is it maybe a little too much than a guy who has the numbers that he's put up in his career deserves probably, but where the Flyers are at right now, from my perspective and the way I look at things, is you know they're not. It, it's not time anymore to drag your feet. You've done the the regime that was in here before is did such a good job in getting the prospects and and you know that you finally have this this cap space and you have this plethora of picks that it's time to really start trying to make this team better and not just base the entire team off prospects and waiting for them to develop. So this is the aggressiveness that we want, or the aggression that we wanted to see from Fletcher, making this team better and pushing them to be a Stanley cup contender. And like I said, is it a little too much? Probably, but you know, I it's to me, Philadelphia is, is not the hockey destination that it once was. It's not. And a lot of that has to do with how they've proceeded as an organization these last five, six years and the slow approach they've taken. The Flyers used to be known as a team that's going to spend money. They're going to do what it takes to win a championship. And obviously that hasn't happened in 40-plus years. So here they are again. You bring in this new regime, and it's it's kind of back to the old Flyers where they're just they're, they're done trying. The farm system is built, and the farm system is good, and it's one of the best in the league. And now it's time to get the actual team to be one of the best in the league. And they obviously see something they like in Kevin Hayes. He had his best season as a professional under this head coach. So, look, if you have to overpay to get things to where they need to go and get things headed in the right direction, then why not do it? And Chuck Fletcher went for it, and I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I like the move 
and I like that he's trying to get this team better than they were and get them in the playoff, be a true playoff team and not, you know, we're, we're two weeks left in the season thinking maybe they will, maybe they won't. Well, it's clearly win-now mode for, right. for Chuck Fletcher, and we should be expecting that this team will compete. With, they should be, uh, the, the expectation should be that they're going to compete for a cup next year, the way that Fletcher is building. Now, whether or not that's realistic or not, I don't know. But the way that he's going about building this team, that is the clear-cut message. So, yeah, Kevin Hayes was, in my mind, there are three top centers available via unrestricted free agency. And those guys were Matt Duchesne, who's probably going to get 8 to $9 million a year. And you could argue that Hayes is a better all-around player than him. Kevin Hayes and Joe Pavelski, who's 34 years old with the Sharks and who was Alex Appleyard from The Athletic, who was on our show last week, pointed out he's been playing more of a wing. So when you look at it, really there were only two top, arguable top-level unrestricted free agent centers. The Flyers' biggest need was second-line center going into this offseason. And so Chuck Fletcher went out, had plenty of cap space, and he, he was aggressive. He traded a fifth-round pick for the negotiating rights for Kevin Hayes, and he worked diligently to get a deal done. And, you know, look, a lot of people when they made the, the trade were saying, okay, you know, hopefully with, he gets a deal done around six to six and a half million. He got a little bit over $7 million. It's fine. You know, it, like you said, that's the cost of signing a guy via unrestricted free agency. You don't have to give up draft picks. You don't have to give up another player to get a Kevin Hayes. You just have to pay him his money. And there's only a certain amount of free agents that are out there every year that are unrestricted. So, you know, everyone was scared that the Flyers were going to go after a defenseman like Tyler Myers. Well, the Flyers spent the money on Kevin Hayes instead. And so there were only a few guys that most fans agreed could help the team. And he's one of them. So mm -hmm. let's just, you know, it's fine that they paid him that much money. You know, the Vino part is interesting because I don't know how much that actually played into it. Just because I, I we'll see what happens. I think it was the money that got the deal done yeah. and the Flyers' aggress aggressiveness. I'm not convinced just from some things I heard. I'm not convinced that those two had like a fantastic relationship. Obviously, if there were issues there, I don't think Hayes would have signed here. But um, it's it's going to be interesting because Hayes' best offensive season actually came under uh, coach when Quinn was in New York, who's there now. So, you know, I think Hayes had his best offensive season from a goal-scoring perspective. He scored 25 goals under Vino. So it'll be it'll be interesting. But, like, they just committed a lot of money to the guy, and he's going to be the second or third-line center for this team for the foreseeable future. And when you talk about having a big guy like Sean Couturier as your first-line center, then you've got Kevin Hayes, who's – He's 6'5", 220. Like, Kevin Hayes is huge, and he plays an all-around game, and he's a very good passer. You put him in between goal scorers like Voracek and Van Riemsdyk, maybe Lindblom's with him at some point, and you're talking about he, he's going to have far and away his best offensive season this year with the Flyers, and he should be good for a number of years because he's also he just turned 27 years old. So he's about as young as it gets yeah. for an unrestricted free agent. There's just a lot of very positive things about this. And then it gives Nolan Patrick a chance to develop as a third-line center. Right. And again, Patrick's, what, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so you're going to have three big centers who can skate, who can score, who can distribute the puck, and all of them are pretty good in all three zones. Yep. So that foundation is really going to give the Flyers something to build off of and outward from. And so I have no issues with the Hayes deal. Look, is there a risk 
that he doesn't progress offensively and that contract becomes an albatross, of course. But these are the risks that you take. With and I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident because he's such a good all-around player that even if he's the offense doesn't come around, that he's still going to help this team out. So, yeah, I, I think the Hayes deal was, was fantastic, and they overpaid a little bit. But let's wait and see what guys like Duchesne sign for. Yeah, I mean, I think this could end up – I mean, and, and the Flyers could have just – and here's what people don't really – I think a lot of the times thinking about the Flyers basically just set the market for the rest of free agency. So now if you're the agents of, I mean, maybe not so much Joe Pavelski, but if you're Matthew Shane's agent, you're thinking, okay, Kevin Hayes just got this and my player I think is worth more than that. So yeah, you could, it's not, uh, it, it, it's probably, it's more than likely that he's going to get more money per year. I mean, he may have anyway, but if the, the Flyers, they did themselves such a big favor in getting him in and getting this done now. And I don't like for the people that don't like the deal. What was the alternative? If you go, exactly. to, if you go to free agency, now you're competing with 30 other teams that may, you know, may value a player more than you may overpay, may pay more for a guy than you will because the Flyers still, for all the cap space that they have, they still have restricted free agents that they have to get locked. They have to get locked down. There may be teams out there that don't have that and can go a little bit more. So, and you run the risk. Once it went to July 1st, the Flyers always ran the risk of him going somewhere else. You had him in. You had, they had to get him signed because if he walked, like I said already, I don't think the Flyers are that. He, look, Kevin Hayes is going to say all of the right things because the Flyers just threw a shit ton of money at him. So he's going to say that the Flyers are in the right, are heading in the right direction and, Philadelphia is a great destination for hockey, but I, I think if you're gonna, if, you know, if you hit it with truth serum, if you hit a lot of these free agents with truth serum, they're gonna say, you know, maybe not really, because there's other teams out there that may, you know, that the players are progressing a little bit better at. I don't think Philadelphia is not what it once was as a destination. The Flyers are gonna have to overpay anyway, so why I, you not know do it? Why not do I, it now when yeah. you could set the price? Why let somebody I, else do it? And now you have to beat that because that's what was going to happen. I don't. I just. I don't necessarily agree that that, that Philadelphia isn't a destination. I, I still think money talks when we're talking with a lot of these players. And you know, the, what you said about what was the alternative is a very good point because, that, like, like we talked about, there weren't really any other unrestricted free agent centers other than Duchesne, pure centers. Their Flyers fans kept talking about going after some RFA centers like Braden Point or William Carlson. Right. Those guys are not going to be moving teams. William Carlson just re-signed with Vegas for eight, eight years. years. Braden Point, the Tampa just traded away JT Miller to Vancouver for draft picks just so that they can have the money to re-sign Braden Point. Like, these really good young centers – that are restricted free agents, they're not going anywhere. This is the price of, of doing business. And, exactly. you know, Chuck, Chuck Fletcher did it. And, you know, another move that um, that happened right after our show was was the, the trade for Justin Braun. So this is an interesting one. The, the Flyers traded a second-round pick this year and a third-round pick next year for Braun from San Jose, who's got $3.8 million left on a one-year contract he's got one year left and he'll be an unrestricted free agent and his like if you look at justin braun's uh advanced metrics they are just absolutely putrid like horrible some of the worst in the league over the last few years but then you look at what when you dig a little deeper and when you look at 
you know, what his role has been asked to be at San Jose, you know, he's, and, and what it's going to be asked to be here. He's, he's by no means, he's an offensive dynamo. Um, but he's, he's sort of almost like a little bit like a Gudis where he's very right. good in his own zone and he can also make, make good crisp passes out of the zone. Um, but what, what really I like about what, Chuck Fletcher's done by bringing in Braun and Niskin in is I like the term of their contracts, right? They're both very good veterans with a lot of, um, a lot of playoff experience. Niskin won a cup. The Caps have always been a contender. The San Jose has been a cup contender for the last six years. So these two guys are ones that you bring them in. And I think Fletcher's thing was, okay, I've got a lot of really good young defensemen on this team and young forwards. They haven't necessarily been getting the right guidance or been playing with the right guys to move their careers forward. Nothing against Andrew McDonald and Radko Gudis, but you're talking a different breed of experience when you talk about Matt Niskan and Justin Braun. So I think that was one of the big parts of why Fletcher brought them in was, hey, this will help us unlock the potential of guys like Provorov, Sanheim, and Myers just by being around these guys. And then the term is so important because the next offseason, the Flyers have expiring free agents, Oscar Lindblom, Oscar Lindblom, Nolan Patrick, and Phil Myers. So those are three guys that it's probably going to cost you 7 or $8 million to sign them. The year after that, Carter Hart and Travis Sanheim are going to be restricted free agents. That's going to cost you a lot of money. So what Fletcher's done is he's kind of built in a safety valve because next year, Justin Braun's $3.8 million cap hit is going to expire. And the year after that, Matt Niskanen's $5.75 million cap hit is going to expire. So it kind of protects the Flyers. If they had signed a bunch of unrestricted free agents to long contracts, then you're in a really bad situation uh, cap-wise. And they may still be in a difficult situation, but I love the fact that these veterans are going to have some expiring money coming off the books the next few seasons. Not only that, but when you, I mean, if they have some issues with the cap, it's one thing to have issues with, I mean, with players that, because when they had ish cap issues before, it was with just like awful players: Andrew McDonald, Yuri Laterra, um, oh, the center I can't think, Val Philpola. Like we're talking about guys that are like guys like Andrew McDonald and and Laterra. We saw Philpola had his resurgence with the Islanders, but guys that like really don't have much place in the league anyway. So it's it's I'd rather have cap issues with good players, which they will have, than who they had before and. You're you're so I think I you're so right because I think that playoff experience is so underrated by some people. You know they just look at the money and they look at the age of the player. But you know yeah, Radko Gudis and Braun are probably the same type of defenseman and they have a lot of the same intangibles. But the edge goes to Braun because he's been in the battle of the playoffs. And I said this last week, and you can't put a price on that because these like. Radko Gudis, for as good as he was for the Flyers last year, he's never really been he's never been part of a long playoff run. So even him himself himself doesn't really know all that goes into how to get to the third round, how to get to the Stanley Cup Finals, how to prepare your body, how to take care of your body for those long runs when you're in the midst of them. And these guys that they brought in, Niskanen and Braun, have that because they're not going to be around forever. As you said, Braun's done after this year, Niskanen the year after. So when they leave, it's going to be on the shoulders of of Myers, of Provorov, Gossespierre, Sanheim, because they'll be they'll be deep enough into their career to where it's not they don't have the well they're still young guys are still learning. By then they need to be fully into their game and they have to be 
pretty well-rounded players and because we're going to be relying on them a lot as the guys. And to have guys like Niskanen and Braun to teach them how to go through the playoffs is huge because with all the talent the Flyers have, they're going to be pushing, they're going to be having long playoff runs for the next, I don't know, four or five years, at least you hope. And the defense is so important and you need those guys to eat minutes. Provorov is, I mean, for what he is already during the regular season, they're going to need him to do that that much more for these playoff runs. And if he doesn't know how to handle it, if he can't handle it, then the Flyers have a problem. So you have to bring in a guy that can make him as good a defenseman as humanly possible because coaching only goes so much. You need a guy that's been there and done that, and they got those guys in-house now. Yeah, and you know there have been some moves this weekend, a couple moves that Flyers fans saw and were like, oh my God, you can't tell me Chuck Fletcher couldn't have done the same move. So the Winnipeg Jets traded Jacob Truba to the New York Rangers for, what was it, for like a first-round pick yeah. and Neil Pionk. So, and is a late first round pick, I believe. Um, you know, here's the thing with that trade. Jacob Truba wanted to, most people think, wanted to be in New York. His fiance or wife um, is, I think, in, in medical school. And there's reasons he, New York is one of the places he wanted to go play. And he's a restricted free agent this offseason. So, if a team traded for him that he didn't really want to go to, he was just going to sign a one year deal and become an unrestricted free agent. So mm-hmm. that's a huge risk right. that you'd be taking on if you if you traded for Truba. And so I don't I just I I think there are only a few teams in the league that were going to trade for Truba, and clearly the Rangers uh, were one of them. I think he's also like best with Brady Shea or something like that. Then you look at PK Subban, who was also was kind of like traded for peanuts at the NHL draft to the New Jersey Devils, and Flyers fans were like, "Oh my God, why couldn't we've gotten PK Subban?" Well, here's the thing about Subban. He makes $9 million for the next three seasons. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that that's – he's 30 years old. I think he's been a little bit overrated during his career. And $9 million, you know, I don't know if, if I'd rather have him for that or, or you'd rather have Niskanen for two years and Braun for and just because you're really tying up a lot of money over the next three seasons if you're getting a guy like Subban. So we'll see how it works out for the Devils. Uh, it was obviously a, a good acquisition for them because they didn't really give up anything off their roster, and they still have a ton of cap space, the Devils do. But, you know, I just don't think Truba and Subban were very realistic options for the Flyers, and I don't love Subban's cap hit. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, it's you could just see that Fletcher had... Um, a goal in mind for this offseason, and it was to surround the young talent on the Flyers with proven veterans that he thought would make a difference. So I think that, you know, I, I think that that's what he's done. Uh, two more moves today that happened with the Flyers. Travis Sandheim signs for a uh, two-year deal. So, you know, here's – so really quick, here's where the Flyers are with the salary cap right now. Um if you let's see, I'm going to do a little bit of quick. I've got my spreadsheet here. So right now, the Flyers have about 19 million, 19.5 million dollars uh, in cap space, and they've got to sign Ivan Provorov, Travis Konechny, and Scott Lawton. And I'm projecting Provorov for around seven million, Konechny for around four and a half million, and Lawton for around two million. So if you plug those in, then you're talking about you've got about $6 million in cap space to sign a backup goalie and a third-line right wing. And that number 6.2 went up 
in the last few days because Travis Sanheim signed a two-year bridge deal. And what that means is that he's a restricted free agent this summer. Restricted free agents will either sign a long-term deal where at the end of the deal they become an unrestricted free agent. And if they do that, you've got to pay a lot of money if you want to lock up a guy until he's an unrestricted free agent. Sanheim decided to sign a two-year bridge deal, so they got him for a little less than they thought, $3.25 million. The upside is that for the next two years, you've got a potential first-pairing defenseman making $3.2 million. The downside is that Travis Sanheim in two years is probably going to be eligible to make a lot more money than he would have if you signed him to a long-term deal this year. But for two years, it gives the Flyers some cap space. And then the Flyers traded away Ryan Hartman, who I never really was that big a fan for. I, at the draft, I, or at the trade deadline, I was on record saying I would have rather gotten a second or third round pick for Hartman or for Wayne Simmons than Hartman. And I got destroyed on Twitter from people telling me, oh, you'd much rather have Hartman. He's a really good young player, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Former first round was, pick. I was like, at the time, that was his third team. Yeah. He's only 23 years old. And I just didn't see the merit with Hartman. And I think draft picks are a little more valuable. So today, I think Hartman, who is, an under, who is a restricted free agent, was probably asking for more money than Chuck Fletcher wanted to pay him. I was projecting him around $1.5 million, but I'm guessing he was asking for closer to two, two and a half. And cap space is valuable. So today, Fletcher traded Ryan Hartman to the Dallas Stars for Tyler Pitlick, who's an older veteran right winger. He'll slot in at fourth line right wing for the Flyers. He makes a million dollars a year. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this coming season which is great because the Flyers have so many good young forwards that they can probably slide one into the fourth line um, in a couple seasons. And uh, the issue with Pitlick is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So he's, um, you know, he's only, if you look at him in the last four years, he's played 47 games, then 80 games, but before that 31 games, 37 games. So he's, he's had a tough time staying healthy. Uh, One of my, Good friends is one of the radio hosts for the Dallas Stars. He was actually my play-by-play partner in, in college. We did basketball together. Neither of us really knew much about basketball. <laughs> Owen, New- Owen Newkirk, he's a, he's a great guy. He, uh, he does the Dallas Stars radio show. He, uh, I asked him about Pitlick, and he said, he said, quote-unquote, Pitlick is a great guy. He's an energy guy, good speed, plays a hard game, very responsible defensively. He got hurt this past year wrist injury, something about ligament damage. He tried to play through it, but it was too much. So he's a guy who was healthy. He's going to be pretty good. But the important thing was the Flyers saved some more cap space. So, you know, Chuck Fletcher's not not done at this point. He's he's with the Sanheim deal the, and this uh, trade, he's cleared up a little bit more cap space. So we'll see what happens. I agree with, uh, with the Hartman thing. I remember when the trade went down, everything – Everybody kept saying, like, the, the justification on Ryan Hartman was he was a former first-round pick, and I think he, like, his rookie season put up, like, 15 goals. So it was always, the the argument was, well, if he could just find that, then the Flyers made a good deal. And But, I mean, you're right. He was on, he had already been on a few teams, and I need more to go off of on a, on a guy than having one good year when he put up 15 goals. Had they put him in, I mean, he was never going to be more than a fourth-line player. So I, it, you know, I would much rather have the cap relief with all the, with all the RFAs the Flyers have to get right now, than yeah. I mean, the, the cap relief is more important, and I even there's even probably guys that 
could slot into the fourth line for the Flyers this year. And I'm, I'm not, you know, it may not be the guys, it may not be Ratcliffe or Farabee or Frost, but there's other people, there's other good talented players that they have down with the Phantoms that could slot into the fourth line wing spot if pick, if Picklick, um, you know, if he doesn't pan out because he's an older player, it's not like he has tremendous skill to begin with anyway. So that could be one of those positions on the team where they're going to be slotting in a few guys in and out before they find someone that really sticks. Um, one thing that's good about that is development camp opens tomorrow. I was just thinking about it. Yeah. You read my mind. We're both big on that. I love development camp. And I actually, I don't think I have to work tomorrow. So I may actually head down and see what's going on because now that there's, you know, Cam York's going to be there. Bobby Brink's going to be there. Obviously, Morgan Frost, after another year of development, is going to be there. Jay O'Brien. So there's guys to look at and obviously all the goalie prospects. Dan, let me ask you about one player that I've always kind of had my eye on. And when I bring up the fact that they could slot in a younger player into the fourth line, and I think um, when I look at a guy like Carson Twarensky, who last year with the Phantoms, 10 goals, 14 assists, but you're not bringing him in to light the world on fire. You're not asking him to score 20, 25 goals a season. I think he has exactly what the Flyers need in that fourth-line spot on the wing. I think, From what I've seen of him, I think he's a very tenacious player. I think he's a tough player. I've se- I, I, He has, from what I've seen, he has a pretty damn good shot. And on the fourth line with other guys that have skill, like Raffle and like Lawton, I think he could thrive a little bit, and he may, you know, give the Flyers a little bit of scoring depth and could be a better option than, you know, an aging player that they might try to slot in there. Yeah, I think that, you know, if Pitlick is healthy, which is a big if, he's probably the guy, but you're right. I mean, there's there's a number of guys with the Phantoms that you could probably slide into that spot. I mean, I think tops among the list for me would be Nicholas Albe-Cubell, who I've always yeah. been a, a big fan of his skill set. He's got a lot of grit. He's a good skater. He's a very good finisher. He's kind of like, to me, the ideal fourth-line forward in the NHL. And I actually thought he played okay when he got called up earlier this season. But... Um, but he didn't get a lot of ice time. And so I think Albe Cubell is a guy who might be ready for an NHL fourth line role. I'm not sure if Torinsky or Connor Bunneman um, or David Cache, there's some of the guys who might be kind of like a year away. You know, look, German Rupsov. I'm just going to ask you about uh, him, too. German Rupsov had a terrific start last year for the Phantoms. He put up 10 points in his first 14 games which was right on par with the production he was putting up in the Canadian Junior Leagues. I mean, he's a baffling prospect to me. Uh, but then he got injured. I think he injured his shoulder, maybe, uh, or his arm last year after 14 games, and he had surgery and missed the rest of the season. He's never been able to stay healthy. So mm-hmm. because of the injury, he probably will start with the Phantoms again. But he's a guy who could end up being a very talented fourth-line type of player. So, look, there are a lot of options. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I did kind of like the idea of having – a Raffle, Lawton, Hartman fourth line, because that is a very good fourth line. Yeah, I mean, despite what I'm saying about Ryan Hartman, he, as a NHL fourth liner, I think he's pretty good because he can bang bodies. Uh, he can chip in with a goal or an assist here and there. But um, but he clearly was looking for too much money, and it wasn't something that Chuck was going to give him. Yeah. So, But you are absolutely right. There's some young guys. I think the Flyers will still try and make a run maybe at a, a third-line winger. Um 
you know, like a Jonas Donskoy, but I just, I don't know if they're going to have the money to sign someone like that or like a Tim Connolly uh, from the Caps. But, um, you know, I'm very interested to see. So development camp, real quick, the schedule's up on the Flyers' website. Like you said, it starts tomorrow. And tomorrow it's from uh, two groups, 9.15 to 11.30, and then 4.30 to 5.45. That's the schedule both Tuesday and Wednesday at Voorhees. Thursday they've got their trial on the aisle community event. Uh, autograph session from 1 to 3, and then they've got – that's on Thursday. And then the final two days are Friday and Saturday at Voorhees. Friday morning, 10.30 to 11.45. And then they've got a three-on-three tournament from 4 to 6 on Friday. I always like going to that. I'm not going to be able to make it because of the work. But Saturday, I'll be there. Uh, the morning practice from 10 to 11.15. Probably won't be there for that. But they've got a five-on-five scrimmage, which is very cool. Chuck Fletcher's switching it up a little bit from what Ron Hextall used to do. Because previously, they only did the three-on-three uh, tournament. Now they're going to do a full five-on-five scrimmage from 6 to 8. So that's going to be a full two hours of that, which should be very cool. And I will be there at Voorhees from 6 to 8. Uh, hopefully meet some of our listeners there. But I'm, I'm very excited to see Brink and York and, of course, Frost and Farabee and Ratcliffe. Because depending on how much money they have to sign, uh, have to spend to sign Provorov and Konechny and Lawton and a backup goalie, there's a chance that they may be relying on a, a Frost or a Farabee to kind of grab that third line right wing spot. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a very important summer and training camp for those two players. A couple of also familiar names as I'm looking on the roster that I have in front of me. Way down at the bottom, it goes in numerical order. Uh, number 90 will be uh, Carson Briere, son of Danny Briere, who is with the USH. Or what the hell is it? No, the NAHL. No, the NAHL. Yeah, the uh, NAHL. A lower level. Yeah, and then he's going to Arizona State, who apparently have a really good hockey program out in the desert, which is, you know, I guess good for them. And uh, where the hell is the other one? Noah Kate's brother is also in it. Jackson. Yeah, Noah Kate's he's brother. On, he's, on the, uh, he's on the roster as well. So the Flyers keeping, you know, helping out some of the... Uh, some of the, you know, keeping it in the family a little bit, seeing what, some, a, seeing what some of these guys have. A couple notable omissions. Tanner Lazinski, not yes. on the roster. Now, yeah. Lazinski and Wade Allison are kind of interesting cases because they are both kind of highly thought of prospects who are going back to college for their senior season. Allison missed the last few years due to injury. I, I don't know why Lazinski hasn't uh, joined the Flyers yet, but to me, both of those guys are in jeopardy of, of going to other teams. The way it works is if you're drafted out of college, if you complete your senior season, you can become a free agent, unrestricted free agent, the following summer. So Wade Allison and Tano Lazinski may be looking at the Flyers' depth of forwards and saying, you know what, we're better off going to another organization. I don't know, Lazinski may be injured. I'm sure we'll find out more, but it's kind of strange that he is not um, – not on the this roster. And then one of the guys I'm upset's not on here is one of my favorite defense prospects on the team, uh, Linus Ogbear, mm-hmm. who I think is a perfect modern-day defenseman for the NHL. Alex Appleyard talked about him last week. He could be a top-four defenseman in the NHL, and uh, he's, he's not on this. I don't know if he's injured or what, but I'm kind of disappointed 
because he's a guy who, if they don't sign him before next summer, he can become an unrestricted free agent. So Linus Ogbar is the one guy that I'm really hoping that they sign uh, before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Um, do you think the uh, do you think the five on five scrimmage is a drinking event for some of the Flyers fans out there? I can't imagine that. Um, it's I, Saturday night, so yeah. you know that's prime drinking time, six to eight. That's happy hour, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it could there could be some fans throwing stuff at Bobby Brink. Who knows? Would you imagine? I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it. No, I would. No, we're hard. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no fans can do stuff do like that. that. I, I always love this event. I hope fans come out. I always try and post a bunch of videos, so I'll be out there with my phone trying to get some good stuff. I I love it. It's it's a good opportunity to kind of get a, a initial sense of, of some of these players. And it's like, it just a, it's a lot of fun. I like it too. And I I mean it, it's great that it's on a Saturday. I just wish it was any other Saturday than this one because this is the one that I'm moving into a new house. So I don't know if I'm even going to be able to make it. Yeah, down. congratulations, man. Well, it's very you. exciting. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it is. It's it's very stressful and that's Mark is on the move. Yeah, it's 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 a stressful time for sure, but um, is it um, is it question time? I think it is. I think it is question okay. time because no, we don't want to go into my stressful situations. <sighs> yeah, we'd be here for hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'd have to send you a bill for like uh, therapy sessions, <laughs> probably. Um, so we have like, such great listeners. Man. We they do another good return on the questions. questions, which is great. And I don't know what I don't know what you uh, I guess I'll let you read them off because I don't know I don't want to go out of order because okay. they're, they're I'll probably read them not off the and then same. we'll both give our quick thoughts on them. Yeah, we'll do it that. So, way. Right, Billy O'Brien at Billy underscore O'Brien 96 asks, is there something good or bad you think has been overshadowed with all of the off-season hype trades draft signing headlines? I mean, I'll, so I'll, I guess I'll go first. You know, I, I talked about it on the show, but I think the way that Chuck Fletcher has staggered the contracts ending with Braun ending next offseason and Niskanen ending the following offseason, I think those, I think that's good. I think that also the fact that he has a trade in the prospects is also good. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, I, off the top of my head, I can think of something that I consider to be bad, but the, but you know we, the fact that we're already almost maxed out when it comes to the cap uh, is probably not ideal. But yeah, um, you know I think that that we're going to see that it was probably worth it for Chuck to get these deals done early. Yeah, I mean, for me the thing that's been overshadowed and I kind of touched on it earlier is you know a lot of the joking the last few years with Ron Hextall was, and you know obviously Dave Hextall was. The veteran presence, that phrase being thrown around a lot by them and, you know, the fans have kind of used that as a sticking point for, you know, using the butt end of some of the jokes. But I think what, what Chuck Fletcher has done here and with specifically with Niskanen and Braun, and it's like I said, you know, it's a veteran presence, but it's guys, it's not veteran presence in the sense that they're just veteran players who have been in the league a long time. It's veteran players that have been on successful teams and have... um have, have been able to taste what it's like to, you know, obviously Niskanen, he knows what it's like to get to the top of the mountain. So I think that's what's not being talked about enough is, yes, you know, the, the contracts and, you know, specifically with the Niskanen trade, I didn't like that they took on so much of Gudis's contract and I didn't like that Niskanen was making more money for more years. But 
you know, like I said, when you if you take if you take that out of it and you just look at what the players bringing, I think what's being overshadowed is the playoff experience that those guys bring. And they may not be the best players anymore, but I think what they bring in terms of experience is going to pay great dividends for the Flyers. So Matt Bradley at Ghostis Bear uh, asks, "Our best goalie prospects, in your opinion?" So for me, uh, the I think that Samuel Airson, based off his last season, is number one. I would say that Felix Sandstrom, who's going to be joining the team next year's year with the Phantoms, is number two. I expect him to be very good next season for the Phantoms. Yeah, and I still have a lot of confidence in him. I think that. Um, Kirill Ustamenko is a clear-cut number three. And I think those are, right now, you got to look at those guys as the big three goalie prospects. And the, the Flyers probably as a whole have the, the best group of goalie prospects in the league, at least in terms of depth. And that doesn't even count Carter Hart. So that's that's where I would go on that one. Do you realize this is the first year since we started doing this that Carter Hart is no longer a prospect? I know. It's, where it's crazy that Myers, you know, when I do my list, Myers is still eligible, so I guess I'm going to have to include him on the list. It's almost Probably like the parents. We've, yeah. we've nursed them along here, and they're becoming they're becoming men. Yeah, I, I mean, as far leave, as that I question, may leave Myers off my list. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much slot. You would have to imagine he's slotted in as just, you know, he, he's one of the top. Uh, he's going to be on the top three pair. But um, as far as the goalie question goes, that list is pretty much I like I like uh Felix Sandstrom a lot. I like that he's gonna be with the Phantoms and start to learn the North American game. And I may take the hour and a half, two hour drive to Allentown a couple times just to see him play. That's awesome. Yeah, what I wish seen, I was I mean, I've only, I've only ever obviously because he's been playing overseas, the only time I ever seen him live is at the last two prospect camps. So it'll be nice to see him in a game situation that means something. Yep. And I think he's going to do well. I, I think the Flyers are finally set up pretty well, it seems, at, at, at uh, goalie. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Um, Bill Leonard, one of our good buddies at Major 78, asks, Hi, Dan and team. Given cap constraints, do the Flyers sit out UFAs on 7-1? When and how much cap space will the RFAs absorb at signing? Who's the backup goalie and what does he cost? Trade targets with other teams with worse cap issues? Third line right wing. Does a kid get the spot? Bill's really challenging Rob for the most questions this week. Uh, does JVR move to Patrick's left wing? Do we trade a D-man and assets for a solid third line winger, potential trading partners, and target players we possibly land? I'm impressed, Bill, that you this is came up with all these questions. So, Am I end see. team? What's up? I, I think you're end team. I'm end yes. team. All right, yeah, cool. you're end team. I mean... It's, it's proud, you know, I mean, your end team. I like that. <laughs> I might start calling you that. Um, right. But no, you know what? These are all pretty good questions. I'm just going to really quick. I think that the only UFA, I think the Flyers still need a backup goalie and a, and a third line right winger. And I think if there's the Flyers, they're going to have the if they're going to have the money, they may try and go the UFA route. I still think there's a reasonable chance that Talbot and or Elliott is the backup goalie. Um, we talked about how much cap space the RFAs will absorb. I, I, I think Provorov's going to come at around seven, Konechny about four and a half, and Lawton about one point seven five. A backup goalie, I I think you're looking at about two million, and I think that maybe Talbot or Elliot Elliot could still be there. Um, 
Otherwise, you could be looking to trade for like a Jake Allen or a James Reimer. The rumor is that the Panthers might buy out James Reimer. And at that point, you could just sign him pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about, I think that Frost or Farabee have a shot at that third line right wing. Jay, and this is a good question, actually. He asks, if that happens, does JVR move to Patrick's left wing? Because I guess if you're thinking, would you really want a young, a third line that's so young where you've got Lindblom, Patrick, and Frost or Farabee? I'd be fine with that. You want to move Lindblom up to Hayes and Borchek? Uh, I think I think you'd be fine with with I think you could benefit uh, from that too. JVR, Patrick, and Frost or Farabee. Um, although I do think JVR at this stage in his career is kind of goes to the front of the net and doesn't do a lot of the dirty work, so he may be a better fit with Hayes because Hayes does some dirty work. But anyway, um, so though I think those are a lot of the cool. So those would be some of my answers on those. Yeah, yeah, I'm with, I'm with, I'm so, I'm still trying to figure out. I wish you would have numbered them. <laughs> yeah, Bill uh, Leonard. We still haven't gotten. We like the questions. multiple questions, but we need numbers. That's true. We do. We're not very intelligent. No, we need. We need, we need some numbers. We need set. We need bullet points or something. But good yeah. questions. Yep. Yeah. All right, Zach, Zach Siskind at Zach Siskind asks: In your opinion, what does this roster look like at the start of training camp? If you happen to believe there's a trade, please call out the position it affects. You don't have to get specific with the player coming back. Well, this was 10 hours ago. Zach, I'm going to predict that they're going to trade Ryan Hartman for another fourth-line right winger. But, now, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, as far as just a position that it would affect if a trade was made, I mean, the obvious answer is, you know, a third-line winger because that's – right now that's the biggest – that's the biggest hole on the team, I guess – if you want to count backup goalie, that's probably that's that's maybe doesn't get talked about that much how important that is just because this is going to be Carter Hart's first full season. Um, so I could all I could probably see that happening too if they wanted to move you know a future pick or something for a guy. But I think Talbot probably just slots in there. I think they they got him for a reason last year and there's a familiarity there. If I had to guess if a trade was made, I would say probably third line wing would be what it would affect and for the most part what what the you know roster is going to look like at the start of camp i would imagine it's going to look a lot like it does right now barring some sort of blockbuster you know there's a couple pieces that may be different than they are right now but i think for the most part what you see right now is kind of what you're going to get yeah i think you're looking at you know let's you could say Drew, Couturier, and Kanapni on the first line man uh, reams like hayes and Borchek on the second line and like a Lindblom, patrick and either a, an addition or Frost or Farabee on the on the fourth line. You got Raffle, Lawton, and Pitlick on the fourth line. I mean, I meant Patrick with the third line. Defense pairings. You got Provorov and Niskanen, Sanheim and Braun, Ghost and Myers. I do think that they're going to ha- try and move Robert Haig. I've got to think that with all the moves that the Flyers have made, they've just been trying to move him but haven't been able okay, to get back yeah. anything. Think of, um, you, because you here's the reality second. of the situation. You mentioned that second line. Yep. Think of the matchup nightmare that is. The size oh, and God. power that's on that second line with Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, and Voracek. Oh, it's scary. I mean, if and you're you, if you're yeah. a fly, if you're the Flyers and you're in a playoff series and you're and you have the home ice, you know, to be able to put that line out there when there's a smaller line, um, the other team throwing at you, it's that's such an advantage that you know Vino has at his disposal. You know, and not even just in the playoffs, but anytime they're on home ice, if they're down. 
you know, a goal or something, and they get that, you know, that's that, that they get that mismatch where you have a smaller line out there. You pin out those three horses. I mean, that's that's a oh, yeah. nightmare for other it's, teams. It's it could be scary. And then you know what I was saying was with the Flyers have to trade either Haig, Morant, or Ghost. And I don't at this point I I. I at this point, I just tend to think they're not going to trade Ghost unless they get a big return. Yeah, I think so then you're looking at you've got to trade Morant or Haig. Mm-hmm. Morant makes less money, and so I think that I also think he's a better player than Haig. So because what if you you'd have to, you know, they're probably just going to keep seven defensemen on the roster, so the eighth would go down to the AHL. Uh, Morant or Haig would have to clear waivers at this right. point to go to the AHL, and you'd know that a team's going to claim one of those two guys. Mm-hmm. So. I just I think Morant Mar- is going to be the team's seventh defenseman at this point, and I think that they'll find a way to trade Haig. So I think that, and then obviously Hart's your starter, and you know the backup goalie. I, I think it's either going to be a signing with um, Talbot or Elliott, or I think they could trade for a guy like Allen or, or Reimer. Yeah, at this so, point, the return now that the draft is over, the return you're going to get for Haig isn't really all that important. It's just about clearing the spot, so you don't have to give somebody yeah. up for nothing. Right. So, um, our good friend Allie at Mustang underscore Sally. She's a great member of Phileas Flyer, a top editor on the team. She's she's been very excited about a lot of the Flyers' draft moves. She's been uh, um, on Twitter really talking about a lot of that. So she sent in some questions, some good ones. Uh, she's also very you... pissed about the Phillies. Yeah, I try not to talk about baseball with her because I know she's mad about the Phillies. She's a huge Phillies fan. Yeah, who was that? Um, and I, I, as I understand it, they've lost a number of games in a row. But I guess, you know. A number would be putting it like. Um, we're all flyers. We're all flyers right now. So yeah. <laughs> she's excited about Cam York and asking us if we're as excited as she is. And yeah, I think, yes. you know, like we talked about, after watching the video, I think he's kind of like the perfect defenseman um, to, to slide in to the modern day NHL. I think that the timing will also be good because what, by the time that Niskanen's contract is up, I would say that York will probably be ready. I mean, he's. So York is going to play Michigan next season. He'll spend at least one year in college, and then maybe he'll turn pro or he'll spend a sophomore season. But I'd say that within the next two years, York will be with the Flyers. And um, so I think it's good timing. And she also asked the Flyers have drafted nine American players out of 15 picks in the last two years. Is there something to this or just a result of the rise of USA Hockey? You know, it just it looks like Fletcher and Bill Flaher, his head of scouting, have drafted a lot of Americans wherever they've been. Minnesota also. So I, I do think that um, there's there's something to those guys that they've really look at the U.S. players. And last year, look, Joel Farabee was a, a pretty clear pick there in mm-hmm. the first round for the Flyers. So I think it is impressive with the rise of USA Hockey, and I think the Flyers have had GMs that do tend to like those those players. Is Fletcher American-born? Ooh, good question. You know, I, I don't know. Let's check in with, with Twitter here. Uh, I will Fletcher. say this. When you talk about, to go back to our question about Cam York, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. He's Canadian sucks. from Montreal. Okay. All right. Well, good, good city. Um, but when you talk about Cam York, and you mentioned the Niskanen contract, and <clears throat> what's also gets factored into that is when Niskanen's contract comes off, um, they'll have to re-up again. Uh, Travis Sanheim. So when you you could slot in Cam York as a cheaper option because Sanheim's number is going to go up a lot on that next contract. I mean, it's going to be if if things 
stay the way they look like they're going to. I mean, he's going to be making seven plus. So you're going to need the cheaper option in York to slot in. And, you know, he's got all the skills, so he should be a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice addition to the to an already strong defensive core in a, in a couple seasons. Yep. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so here we get to our buddy, Robert N. Wilson, the third at NAA Robert Wilson, also known as Flyers Rob, send it in. He sent in only four questions this week, which for him, I feel like is I know, I know, I know, but they're good questions. So let's see. Some calling a tard a stretch, what you say. Reminder, they picked him in the third round. My only issue there is that uh, he's 20 years old. And so you, you never know how much of his record setting season was a result of, of his age. Um, rank Cam York compared to all the other D prospects from first or best to last or least, please. I'm going to assume he means the prospects, not the guys in the NHL. And I'm going to assume that we're talking about just the Myers, Myers already being in the NHL. So if you look at, hold on, let me bring up my, uh, my sheet here, my Flyers prospects. I, I think that, that York is number one. I think that Egor Zamula is number two. I think that Linus Ogbear is number three. I think that Adder is four. Uh, Sam Morant's still a prospect, so I guess I'd have him after Oak Bear. And then you'd go, I'd go Adder, Kalanuk, Mark Friedman, Jack St. Ivany is where I'd go on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, What offensive line would Brink be on if he makes the NHL Flyers? I mean, he's got first line upside. He could miss the NHL, be a bust, or he could play on the first line. Uh, Roddy Ross has a save percentage no lower than 904. Thoughts? I think that's that's pretty good. You know, it's just, goalies are such a crapshoot. I like the fact that he's a big kid and he played well in the WHL last season. So I, you know, I always reserve judgment on these goalies until they've got some some more playing time under their belts. But but he's got some potential. Yeah, I like that they. I like that Fletcher added to the depth that they already have in the prospect pool because, like you said, you never know what you're going to get with goalies. So you kind of just have to cast a wide net with them and hope that you find. At least one, if you can get, you know, a tandem, a tandem out of it, uh, that's obviously the goal. But yeah, you know, I mean, he, he just he adds he adds to the list of already good prospects the Flyers have uh, at goaltender. So hopefully, one of them will pan out as a as a solid backup to Carter Hart. Uh, Silpery at Derek underscore in Finland asks if Frost, Farabee, and Rupsov are maybe NHL ready. Why are people clamoring for another signing to fill in the third line winger role? especially when space under the salary cap is limited. This is a great chance to let two to three rookies fight for one NHL spot. And I do think that I will have no issues if we come to camp and it's an open competition for that spot. But it's 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 also difficult to say, like, oh, we've got a, an open competition for the third-line winger, but our fourth line is set, right? You want to give right. like guys like Lawton and Haig a chance for that one. So it's, it's tricky how you kind of word it, but I think... I think that if, if the guys like Jonas Donskoy are just too expensive, that I have no issues letting those guys fight it out. Again, I think that Lindblom, Patrick, and a Farabee or Frost might be a little young for what I want as my third line, so you might have to move things around a little bit. But but um, but I'm absolutely on board with the idea of letting a kid fight out for a roster spot. 
anything can happen. We saw Vorobiev. I mean, he had a great he had a great preseason. He had a great camp, and he got rewarded for it. So, and that, and that was and that was the Flyers under Hextall and Hextall who were a little hesitant with moving along the prospects. So, you know, if 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 they play well enough and they show enough promise, then I'm sure the Flyers will have no problem, you know, giving them a spot on the team. All right, we've got three more questions. Uh, Andrew at Astor5 asks, which veteran backup goalie will they target in timing of signing? Thin free agent market for a goalie, and they may have to sign one before the cap picture is clear and RFA signed. What do you think? Who are you targeting? Uh, I said it a little bit ago. I would go with the, just because of the familiarity and because of the relationship. I would go Cam Talbot. You know, you need... The backup goalie position is important when you have such a young goaltender and literally the cornerstone of the franchise moving forward. So you need it, – it goes a little bit beyond coaching. You know, the goaltending coach is going to do all he can to kind of help Carter Hart progress his career and help with his technique. But you also need a guy, you know, I guess in a way somewhat of like a father figure but also a peer, somebody that can – you know, if, if he's struggling, it's one thing to hear from a coach because the coach has – you know – it's your coach, but it's it's another thing to hear from somebody that you may respect as a player and somebody that you have a bit more of a special relationship with. So, friend, you know, I, I like, you know, I don't know. Some people still talk about Brian Elliott. I'd never liked his durability, and I can't put him out there and he get hurt with one of these long, soft tissue injuries, and then we're dealing with, you know, God only knows what slotted in. So I would I would go with Cam Talbot. I mean, what's interesting is that it is a very important role for this team because there's a chance that Carter Hart could take a step backwards in his right. sophomore season. And look, we're not going to have an all-star level goalie as our backup. It's just not going to happen. No. But you do want to have someone that's got the potential to be pretty good. You know, Talbot, I've just got some – I don't know how good he is anymore. Uh, so I, it's – I, it's a little scary. I think Brian Elliott's a better goalie. There are some durability issues, but if I was a betting man, I would bet on Elliott to have a better season than Talbot. You know, I you I still think man. that I still think I am a betting man. That's true. <laughs> I still think that there's a possibility that they could go after a guy like a Jake Allen. Although I think his cap hit is what is he? Yeah, Jake Allen makes four point three million, so that's tough. You'd that's have, probably have to have St. Louis retain some of the salary because I don't think the Flyers can spend that much on a on a backup goalie um, unless they're really going to be committed to a rookie making the team on the third line. So, you know, I'd probably lean Elliott or Allen, but Talbot, I guess would be okay. He's just going to have to rebound. So, yeah. Uh, two questions left. Gunt at S-V-A-N-K-S. Your thoughts on bringing Simmer back on a cheap and short contract if we don't sign any UFAs? I think, fully believe a recovered Simmer is better than Hartman. Well, I do agree he's better than Hartman, but he's yeah. already been traded since you asked the question. You know, I just I don't think that we're going to have the money to sign a Simmons because I still think he's going to get three to four million, yeah. and I just don't think we can afford that. I also, you know, this year he was supposed to be better because he this was the year that he was recovered from the injuries, and I, I'm just not sure how much he has left. But look, I would Certainly wouldn't mind having Wayne Simmons on the third line, you know, if he'll sign for a short $3 million contract. I just don't see it happening. I think he, I think he probably knows that, you know, this is probably going to be 
I mean, he's not getting any younger. He's had some injuries the last few years. And I think his agent would probably tell him, you know, we got to maximize our return. And it all depends. You know, the market's going to dictate itself, and it all depends what other teams are offering. But the Flyers just, I mean, they're not in the position to really outbid for Wayne Simmons right now. I mean, if he wanted to come here on a cheap deal, great. But I just don't, I think that the smart move for him is to get every dollar you can because, you know, with the way he plays, you don't know how long of a career you really have left at this point. Yeah. Uh, John Hill at underscore custard. That's a cool, cool tag tag at underscore custard list regarding the RFAs. How would you rank them in order of priority? Well, so when he asked this question, there were probably five left and they already signed Sanheim and they've traded Hartman. So there's three left. And I think it's a pretty clear cut order of priority. I think Ivan Provorov is obviously the most important one. He's going to lead your team in minutes probably for the next however many seasons he plays on this team. The negotiations have been getting a little bit, uh, not ugly, but it sounds like they want $8 million on a long-term deal, which I don't think he's going to get. But I would sign him to $7 million a year on a long-term deal, and I think it's important to get him signed. So Provorov, Konechny would be second, and Lawton would be third. But I think it's probably going to go in. I think they'll probably get Konechny signed, and then Lawton, and then the final one will be Provorov. Yeah, that's obviously the hardest one to... Um, to get done, um, prior, I I mean, in order, that would probably be the most important if you're looking at it, but it's probably not the one that, like you said, it's probably not the one that's going to get done first. Um, I like Travis connecting a lot and I think that he still has a lot of untapped potential and I think he could be a really good goal scorer. So if you're, if we're going outside of Provorov, I would say Travis connecting just because of the potential that I think that he has for this team, if he could kind of. I mean, I expected kind of a breakout from him last year, and he underwhelmed a little bit, so I'm going to be saying the same thing this year the closer we get to the season. So I think that's all the time we've got. Although, actually, we had a, a, fr- a question come in from a friend of mine, Emily Crowfoot, a.k.a. Taco, was wanted to know why we don't spend more time talking about Gritty on the show. So maybe next week or our next show we'll, we'll dedicate some time to talk about Gritty. Well, I'm actually anti-Gritty. That's probably part of the reason. Oh, man. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to talk about it then. We can. We'll talk through those issues. I'll tell you right now, it's not an issue, but no, it gets, yeah, I mean, the Fanatic is still the uh, the head dog in charge in the mascot game, and I'm not going to ever get off that hill. All right. We can talk about it. We can sift through my, my brain anytime you want. That's the scary thought. <laughs> All right, well, this is your favorite part of the show. I know it. It's your closing remarks. It's where we can find you on Twitter, and... um where we could read because I know this is where you start to thrive in these months of the summer when after the draft after the development camp when your when your list comes out that's people love it people get and you know they the anticipation is huge for it every summer so this is where you really start to thrive as a hockey analyst <laughs> well I appreciate that you know I unfortunately I haven't had quite as much time to write recently as I would like uh, but I it's planning to get some content out this summer, hopefully after the development camp. Uh, I'll be posting a bunch of videos from camp as long as I make it up there, which I'm planning to. And uh, I'll definitely be putting together a Flyers top 20 prospect list at some point over the summer. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at DSilver88. Great content like me doing jumping jacks during the NHL draft because I was challenged to do it if the Florida Panthers took a goalie, which they did, so I did my jumping jacks. Uh, so at DSilver88, and then you can find my articles over at uh, phillyisflyer.com. And as for me, you could follow me on Twitter 
at Mark Flagman with two N's. Um, sorry, got sidetracked. Uh, yeah, Mark Flagman with two N's, and there you can find great content such as um, my weekly encounters with alcohol, which is always fun. Um, and yeah, you can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. Obviously, follow Phileas Flyer. Check out all the great writers at phileasflyer.com. We are getting into the dog days of summer as we approach the middle of the summer already. I mean, technically summer just started, but in terms of the NHL offseason, we're kind of getting in the middle of it, getting into the thick of it. Free agency just around the corner, development camp, all that great stuff. So Phileas Flyers, definitely where you want to be to check out all of that. Um, until we do this again, we're going to have to have our prospect camp special that we always have, which we love to do because we both – you know, try to get down there and really analyze what we see. So until we do that, everybody have a great life and let's go Flyers.